0: Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the Rider Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle.
1: Hello and welcome to our very first episode for 2020. Hard to believe, Sean, that it's 2020 already, but... Th- thanks to Hoops Heaven, we're here on Basketball Hustle once again to start off the new year, and and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. There's there's movement all across the NBL. The Perth Wildcats have made a hell of a statement in their push for a championship. We're fresh off a massive game on Thursday night to kick off Round 14, which will Round 15, sorry, which we'll discuss shortly. Where the Kent's Taipans continue their their hot streak. Every single team in the league has, has something to talk about right now. The New Zealand Breakers, who have been, I guess, the negative story for a lot of this season, all of a sudden making their own playoff push. Um, so much to talk about to start 2020. We've had a couple of weeks off. We've had a chance to refresh over Christmas and, and New Year, so let's get straight into it. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host, but the man you all want to hear from, the scoring machine, the Perth Wildcats legend, the NBL commentator, hopefully he's back on our TV screen shortly, Sean Reddidge. Thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks, Pricky. Happy New Year, and uh, big 2020 ahead of us. And let's get talking about all the news that's happened over the last
1: few weeks. Well, so much happening. But just just quickly before we get stuck into it, what does a ready family Christmas look like in Australia these days? For the first well, for the first time in a long time, you've been able well, for at least for the last couple of years, you've been able to have it uninterrupted by basketball commitments, which I'm sure made it, made it tough while you were a professional player. Um, what does a ready family Christmas look like these days?
0: It's always tough when you're playing. I mean, basketball season was always in the middle of, of the holidays and, and the Christmas time. So you might get a day here and there. Some days, some years you didn't even get that. You might be traveling mm. or you might have training that morning or, or Christmas night. So I guess uh, one of the perks of, of not being a professional player, as, as great as it is, Um, You get to have, you know, a a real some time off and some Christmas time. And uh, I guess for us now, you know, I grew up getting out a white Christmas and going out and playing in the snow on Christmas. Now it's uh, heading to the beach usually in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to admit, I think the family, we've, we've gone to the beach almost twice a day for the last couple of weeks. So <laughs> I got a little bit more of a tan on me these days. But yeah. I, I must admit, I think I'm enjoying the uh, the summer Christmas a little bit more than the winter Christmas now, now that I've gotten used to it.
1: It's a funny one, isn't it? I guess you always like the thing that you not experienced the most. Growing up in Australia, I've always dreamed of having a white Christmas, but you were probably the opposite. When you grew up having a white Christmas, you probably dreamed of having anything but snow at Christmas time.
0: Oh no! I, I definitely enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. I think uh, once you step outside and and it's negative ten degrees and you're <laughs> you, you know you've got to bundle up, just to even go outside. To, to you appreciate just gonna be able to head down to the beach and hop in the uh, the incredible beaches we have over here in Perth.
1: All right, very good. Now let's get cracking because there's so much happening in the world of the MBO right now that it's going to be tough to fit it all into into one show. But we'll we'll give it a crack. Um, thanks to Hoops Heaven, as always, for making this possible. They're, they've been a fantastic supporter. Hopefully, over Christmas you all got got involved with Hoops Heaven and and, and stocked up on your on your gifts from there. And hopefully now. To start the new year, you, you've been, been in to visit the boys there as well, and if you haven't, check them out at hoop But, Sean, the Perth Wildcats have made made a big move. I'm not sure it was that expected. I think we probably thought they were going to stick with Dario Hunt for the season and and ride it out with him, but they've now signed Miles Plumlee, NBA veteran, for the rest of the season, and it's similar to the Bryce Cotton move. It's now almost championship or bust once you, you make a move, move like that.
0: Yeah, I must admit, I kind of thought, you know, there was talk that they were going to make a move. And I always kind of thought that was more from the outside. And, and mm. just going on past experience, the last few years, they haven't made that move. And I thought Dario Hunt, you know, he had some good games for the Wildcats. He had a few games, double-doubles, and and a, is a solid player. I think he was a, an upgrade on on a Derek Cook Jr., a little bit more yeah. composed down on the block and, and with the ball in his hands. But I think, to me, it just seems they had this opportunity. Miles Plumby became available, coincidentally because Corey Webster took Mm. his spot over in China. So Corey Webster leaves the breakers goes and signs with a team in China, they have to release a player who is Miles Plumley who then signs with the Perth Wildcats. So there's a lot of connections <laughs> there and interesting backstories to it all. But I think you gotta like that move by the Wildcats. And we'll see how Miles Plumley goes. But just his athleticism and the way, you know, I was there on the game when when Melbourne United beat the Perth Wildcats here at RAC Arena. And I think just Sean Long had his way with the Wildcats that night, and he just seemed like no one could really stop him from the Wildcats. So I think it's a little bit a move where, you know, come finals time, they're going to need someone that can match up with a guy like Sean Long and Andrew Bogut and really have a a physical presence with as big a centers we have and and talented centers we have in the league now.
1: In a lot of ways, is it just not Dario's fault? Was he perhaps not the right signing in the first place by the Wildcats? To me, he's he's got a very similar game to what Majuk Majuk's got already, so you don't get a lot of difference when you swap either of those guys out. But also, he's just not big enough, like you said, to go up against Bogan and, and Sean Long and these type of guys. He just lacks that, that size. Was it, Was he perhaps maybe just not the right signing in the first place?
0: You know, I actually think he's probably a couple Years past, where you know, in, in the past, he would have been fine in the NBL. They didn't sure. have guys like Sean Long and Andrew Bogut um, even a Cam Oliver. Yep, you, you didn't have these dominant centers that, that you really need a big guy for. You could kind of get away with kind of an undersized five, but um, the top teams now have that big guy and. And, the, and just a low post presence. I, you know, I think the Wildcats probably missing being able to throw the ball in like they did the last couple of years with Angus Brandt and Tom Joe Jervis. And they didn't always score, but they were great, great um, passers out of the post as well. But they also demanded a presence. So if you didn't send a double team. Angus Brandt was just gonna go to his right hand hookie and it was it, it was money most nights. So they didn't really have that this year. And I thought their offense, when they weren't shooting the basketball well, they uh they really struggled to get some some inside touches and but you know, just kind of calm their their offense down a little bit. So I expect them to use Miles Plumbia. I think Trevor Gleason's pretty good at, at using the big guys. We saw that with Angus Brandt. Um, even Nick Kay now coming over, they're playing better than they were in their older system or their their previous team. So I think it, it's a great signing. But to me, also, what's Miles Plumley's motivation? Is he coming over here thinking I want to try and get back to the NBA? I want to impress, and uh, or is he just come over for a holiday? My my guess is he's coming over here to impress. But you you just I mean anyone can say the right things you don't know until the action's on the court so I'll be excited to see how he goes over these next few games when they integrate him into the system
1: it's tough for him as well because the fact is there's only seven games left in the season and you have to play seven games to qualify for the final so he's had he's he's probably only had one training session with the group then he gets on a plane to well to Sydney then gets on the bus down to to Wollongong as well to get ready for Friday night's game um How tough of an adjustment is that for somebody? Or because he's that experienced, he's been in the NBA for that long, he's gone and played overseas, would he be... If anyone can adjust to this move that quickly, is he sort of in the perfect situation to be able to...
0: Well, when Miles Plumley got signed, I went to his Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. and the amount of times he's been traded or played for different <laughs> teams in the same season is mm-hmm. pretty impressive. So, yeah, um, you, you know, I think he, he's well versed in being able to fit into a new team pretty quickly, and uh, and I expect that that to happen. You will see how many minutes he gets. I, I imagine this week um they'll they'll try and use him sparingly and, and probably he'll probably get maybe 15 20 minutes I just see how he goes you, you never know and then uh and then the following week once he gets a full week of training and the other thing that's good for the Wildcats as well is they got a lot of home games coming up so after this yeah. week they got five of their last six at home so they're gonna be in perth be able to train I think that's gonna help get Tim acclimated to the NBL and to the his new Wildcats teammates
1: I imagine he knows Josh Boone at least to some degree as well, and he certainly would have played against him at some point in his life. Would that help him to see a familiar face like across the other side of the court for him when he when he plays in that first game?
0: Yeah, he would. He would know Josh Boone from from NBA days as well, mm. so it'll give him a little bit leg up on on the competition. And, and you know, I'm sure the the Wildcat coaches are going through the scout with him, and and he'll, he'll be he'll be fine, I think, and he'll know his role. And, uh, you know, I think just his athleticism, it will be exciting to watch in this league as well. He just seems, I mean, every highlight you see is, is a dunk. So my, my yep. other question is, how is he going to go? You know, does he have moves down on the block? Can he score when when, when they need a bucket down low? Because they don't really have that at the moment outside of Mijak at times. They kind of throw the mm. ball or Nick K, but not, not on a consistent basis. So I think that's what he needs to prove to the Wildcats.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fascinating. We will find out very quickly once that game gets underway in Wollongong um, Friday night. Let's have a look at the start to round 15, Sean. It was a, a massive build up to the game with the Cairns Taipans hosting the New, New Zealand Breakers. The Taipans going into the game on a four game winning streak. The Breakers had won five straight. There the, are two of those teams locked in a, in a battle over, over third and fourth position on the ladder. Both in exciting form, you know they had Scotty Machado and Scotty Hobson respectively in brilliant form going into the game. The build-up was there for it to be a cracking contest, and it it certainly didn't fail to deliver. I'm not sure how much of it you got to see, but really enjoyable game. It looked to me like halfway through the fourth quarter, the Breakers had the game won after Hobson hit a hit a big three, and they were I think they were leading seventy eight to seventy one at that point. But Machado took over the game from that point, got some help from Newbullen and, and Cam Oliver and the Taipans finished on a 14 to 1 run and made it five straight wins. And I think they improved to 12 and 9 on the season, went up into third spot. And it was a massive win in the context of their season. And it's probably tough to see them missing the playoffs after that win.
0: Yeah, it was huge for Cairns. I think New Zealand's probably kicking themselves a little bit on the flight back to New Zealand oh. after that one. They thought they probably should have had that one. You're yeah. right, up seven. Hobson makes that three, and they really didn't get too many buckets after that. That's the
1: one point from there, yeah.
0: And. To me, it was almost a little bit. They didn't know who their go-to guy. Whereas Cannes knew Machado. We had to have the ball in his hands, and he went and he made some plays. And I think Hobson just got tired. I mean, you saw that last turnover. Yeah. I mean, you don't do that. You don't do that in under 12 basketball, just right. stepping out of bounds. Let alone at the professional level with three minutes to go. Uh, you know, he almost had a quadruple double with uh, 10 turnovers. Wow. <laughs> seven uh, <laughs> rebounds and, and eight assists. So yeah. it was a uh, one of those things. And credit to New Zealand. The way that they're playing, almost less is more for them at this point. They kind of all know their roles and, and they're playing pretty good basketball together. But, uh, you know, Cairns, I think they kind of escaped out of that one, didn't play as well as they have been in the past. But that's those are the wins you need to get you into the finals. And uh, mm-hmm. credit Cairns for finding a way to get that one. And Mike Kelly's got that team really gelling. They seem to... Too. they're all kind of buying into their role and I think they're really everyone's kind of buying in that we gotta have the ball in Machado's hands and he's gonna lead us yeah. to the promised land and, and he's doing a great job of it. So you gotta think that he's in the running for, for MVP. The way he's been able to uh to get this Cans Taipans team up into that top four and now sitting top three is uh is pretty impressive.
1: Sometimes in this league your success just comes down to how good your imports are. And right now, I think that's the best import trio in the league when you've got Scotty Machado, who I guess he's firming more and more every day as the MVP of the league. And a lot of people consider him the best point guard in the league. Cam Oliver's right up there as one of the best big men in the league as well, if not the best big man in the league, given he can play inside and out. And is also lead, leading the league in, in blocked shots. And then you've got DJ Newble, who's flying under the radar. But I think over the last 10 or 11 games, he's, he's scoring more points than anybody Else in the league and he's he's averaging 20 points on the season but I think it's 23 over the last last 10 or 11 games. Is there a better import trio in the league right now?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, we'll, we'll see if say a uh, uh, Bryce Cotton and Terrico White and Miles Plumley could be up yeah. there at, at some stage if they can connect uh, as as good as the Cairns trio are doing, but I mean, you talk about DJ Newball and the thing that I love is he is competing on the defensive end as well. He's usually got the best player on the defensive end and then he's super efficient on the offensive end. So, you know, I, he has been fantastic for the cans type hands and, you know, I think Machado helps that having another ball handler and, and creator and, and probably draws a little bit more attention, but Credit Neubel with the way he's playing and responding, and you know he, he'd almost kind of mention him for most improved as well. I don't think he'll yeah. he'll be in the running, but the way he's gone from where he was in New Zealand, he had a pretty good year. I thought they did well, and then Cairns all right last year, but they struggled. But this year he's been he's been outstanding.
1: No, you're right. I think you're right. He's probably not going to win most improved because I guess he's gone from being a good player to a, a great player rather than being going from sort of a nobody to a somebody but yeah I mean his improvement at both ends of the floor even last night summed up his season perfectly he was so efficient he shot 9 of 13 from the field but we talked about how tired Scotty Hobson looked and the turnovers he had you know they were just from exhaustion that looked like that was because of how hard DJ was pushing him defensively he's he's got to be right in the running for defensive player of the year as well
0: yeah, I agree on on all fronts there, and you know I think they're they made a, a great move with all three Sonics. They hit it out of the park, very yeah. hard to do. So credit the Kansas tight and their scouting department over the last year. Mike Kelly getting getting the right guys.
1: Do you think they're a playoff team? Will they make it from here?
0: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think Scott Machado. You know they got a tough game coming up against Sydney this Sydney, round. Yeah. But I think the way they're they're playing, to me, they're, they're a top four team for sure. Barring you know an injury to one of their key guys, I think that they're yeah. uh, they're going to get into that that top
1: four for sure. What did you make of the Breakers last night? They they got a huge game, a career best game out of Rob Lowe back in back in Cairns, twenty four points. Tom Abercrombie came up pretty big, sixteen points. Hobson, you know, his numbers look okay. 18 points, eight assists, seven rebounds, but then you factor in the 10 turnovers. Obviously, probably they're probably not getting quite enough out of RJ Hampton since he's come back. Brandon Ashley can't stay out of foul trouble, but they had won five straight and they had done it all away from from Auckland as well as so they now head home for a pretty good home stretch. But I get the feeling last night's loss probably means they they won't quite end up making the playoffs. How do how do you see them?
0: Look, I, I think they're they're playing much better basketball. They're a little yeah. bit more, you know, they're missing Sec Henry as well. They, you know, they, and Cairns, let's, let's give credit to the Breakers. Cans is one of the hottest teams in the league as well. Tough at home, so they they took them all the way to the wire and probably should have won that game. So I wouldn't necessarily, in the way they're playing. I mean, to get five straight is pretty impressive in this league and tough to do. So they've got some home games coming up, but I do like. It's almost like all this adversity they went through. Is making you know they're seeing reaping those rewards now. Did they leave the run a little bit too late? Probably. Uh, You know, I never would have expected they lose Corey Webster. Obviously, R.J. Hampton went down for a little while there, but. Sometimes everyone kind of steps up and they some guys know they're going to get their 30 35 minutes it just makes them play a little bit better a little bit calmer so i think you know they're trying to play through Scotty Hopson as much as they can and and he's delivering to some degree up until last night with those turnovers but it was uh it's pretty impressive they've been able to turn it around with so many injuries and and departure of key guys as well
1: Absolutely um let's reset a little bit let's have a look at how the league's positioned at the moment because you know we're, we're at round 15 now. It's a 20-round season, and we've still got eight teams right in right in the mix to make the playoffs. So things are pretty pretty fascinating the way that they're shaped at the moment. I'll just run through the ladder quickly. Sydney Kings are still on top, 14 and six, and you know they, they've been struggling a little bit, but they got an important win last up against Adelaide, which which steadied them. The Perth Wildcats missed a chance to to take that top spot on the road when they dropped their last couple, 13 and eight, and I get the feeling that's probably why they felt they had to make make the move that they did. We got Cairns Taipans now up into third after last night's win, 12 and nine, having won five in a row. Melbourne United is another fascinating one, which I can't wait to get your thoughts about there, 11 and nine, and they they won their last game against Illawarra, but they lost a couple before that and. They they lost yeah they lost two of their last three five of their last nine so they're they're certainly far from guaranteed of a playoff spot just outside the Adelaide 36ers 10 and 11 they're the the real Jekyll and Hyde team of the league right now we've got Brisbane and New Zealand both on nine and 11 southeast Melbourne Phoenix who are still awaiting their replacement for Keith Benson they're eight and 11 and the Illawarra Hawks the only team probably out of the hunt right now five and 15. Yeah, I mean, we're in a fascinating position where we've got so many teams in contention and so many teams up and down that you just never know who's going to win any any game day to day, Sean. I mean, this league is just in a, in a great position right now where any time you turn on the TV, you don't know what you're going to see.
0: No, it is. You know, you see Brisbane beating the Wildcats, and you see Adelaide as well, and Sydney Kings losing some games no one really thought they would. So it just shows you how tough the league is. Uh, For me, I think think Melbourne will get in just because of their talent, but Mm -hmm. this game against Adelaide this week is going to be a huge determinant of that. I mean, Mm -hmm. Adelaide's right there. You talk about them. They're hot and cold. You never know what's going to happen with them, especially – on the road. So it's a uh, it's an interesting, but, but this is what the league wants. You know, you're coming into the last few rounds of the season. We're getting, you know, only five, six more rounds to go. And we still got almost eight out of the nine teams with legitimate opportunity to get into the finals. Mm-hmm. And so credit to the NBL and, and the parity in the league. Um, and I think that, to, that, you know, it's exciting for the fans as well.
1: Now, let's, let's just dig dig a little deeper on, on each team at the moment. Let's start at the top of the Sydney Kings. That was an important win last up at home to Adelaide. But, you know, they lost three of their last four games before that, including one against the Laura Hawks, which I'm sure they didn't expect to drop. The Wildcats went into Sydney and had a, had a big win as well. But they've been doing it without Kevin Leach, Craig Moller and Diddy Lozada. I'm not sure Xavier Cooks has really had the impact coming in that they they hoped he would. They're on top of the ladder. It's probably tough to see them losing that top spot. They're certainly guaranteed a top two spot either way. Um, But how do you see the Kings at the moment?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, bringing in Xavier Cooks, they haven't really figured out, you know, is he a three, is he a four? Hmm. And I guess, you know, their best best lineup is when they can have Bogut at the five, Tate at the four, and then Lazada, Lish, and Casper Ware to me. Sure. And Newley's been playing well. You could kind of put him or Lazada at that three. But, yeah. you know, when I look at their team, especially late in those games and – you know, watching that Wildcat ones, they just didn't have enough shooters out there on the court. Obviously, Bogut's such a great passer, but if he's kicking it out to guys that are shooting 30% from the three-point line um, or guys that you, you don't want taking those shots, it kind of makes him a little bit less effective as well. So you saw they had a great start to the season, but I think some injuries and, and, and obviously teams are going to scout them a little bit differently and they're they're catching up to their defensive schemes in that regard as well. but. You know, I think if they can get Kevin Lish back and Didi Lozada can can get 100 uh, percent as well, still makes them the favorite. But without those two guys, I think they they lack some shooting that could could hurt them come finals time.
1: Kevin Lish is now a fascinating one because he's virtually missed the whole season. In those couple of games when he did come back, he looked very rusty. So he's going to look rusty again when he when he comes back. In his absence, Deshaun Taylor's played a solid role. He's certainly not the type of guy that's going to take over a game, but he's doing his role when he comes onto the floor. Is there time for for Kev to come back this season and still be able to make a a meaningful impact?
0: Yeah, I think so. And knowing Kev, I mean, I'm not sure he was 100% when he first came back. I saw him in that first game at RAC Arena, and he just looked a little bit hesitant. I know he'd been training for a little bit, but uh, you know, I think they do miss his, his leadership as well out there. So to me, if he can come back, the Kings are the favorites. Without him, I think it could be it could be tough once you get to the finals um, against some of these teams and the talent and the shooting that they have.
1: Well, I think the problem they're finding without him is that I think what they were looking forward to this season was taking the pressure off Casper Ware having to do all of the ball handling duties pretty much and then also having to guard best guard on the opposition which is what his problem was last season in Melbourne he he was just exhausted in that grand final series so I think they were hoping to have Lucian Casper as that tag team to take the pressure off each other but it just hasn't happened but if it can happen if Kev comes back and can play important minutes I think it could even help Casper's game as game get back to to where he'd like it to be too yeah
0: it's a good point it's a good point I think he'll just yeah ease that and you know, when they've got their five best defenders out there on the court, Casper Ware, Kevin Lish, Lazada, Lozada, yeah. Ch- Chason Tate, and then Andrew Bogut, they are yeah. dynamite on the defensive end. They've yeah, sure. got another level that I don't think other teams have that they can go to. So to me, that's going to be their X factor. They can get all those five guys out on the court. I think they're going to be tough to beat.
1: Now we've talked about the Wildcats who are second and we've talked about the Taipan to a third. Let's talk about Melbourne a little bit more. I think a lot of us just assumed that they would be that, that team that finishes third and is, is pushing Sydney and Perth for a top two spot. But all of a sudden they've lost two of their last three games. They've lost five of their last nine. They've you know they've had to replace Casey Prather with Stanton Keat, who, to his credit, he's come in and he's actually playing pretty well. But it's just something that, even in their two wins they've had lately against the Hawks... Even though they won relatively comfortably, they just didn't look like a team that was getting ready to contend for a championship. Is there? What do you think's not clicking quite right at, at Melbourne right now?
0: I just think defensively. You know, they're giving up yeah. way too many points. The amount of games where they're giving up over a hundred points has it, been pretty on a consistent basis. You know, it uh, hasn't been yeah. a one or two games. They're just to me, their defense isn't there. They're not putting in the the effort probably that they need to and, and found that, you know, they've got a lot of scores, Sean Long, outstanding, but sometimes all that energy expends on the offensive end, loses mm-hmm. that intensity on the defensive end. So mm-hmm. if they can find that defensive intensity, I think they can, they can take their game to another level, but they haven't shown that yet. Um, and they're in danger of, of dropping out of the four as well. If they, if they lose to Adelaide. So this is going to be a big couple weeks and, and the other thing is they've got to play a lot of road games coming up with yeah. the australian open they got it out of their arena so it's going to be a tough stretch here and it's going to go a long way to determine if they can get into the finals or not which you would have not even have thought that coming into the season you know melbourne yeah. united that talented team that they have some say right up there with the sydney kings as far as pure talent so it's a uh it's going to be an important couple of weeks for Melbourne United. I do think they'll get in just because I know the talent level. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a team like Adelaide gets on a run and, and pips them at the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got Adelaide, New Zealand and Sydney all the way in the next three games. So they, they could, before the next game, game against the Wildcats, they could be outside of the, the top four and really be in a tough position. You talked about defensively they're not great is that what they should have expected when they signed Sean Long and Melo Trimble you accept that they're probably better as a duo offensively to what they had Josh Boone and Casper Ware last season but defensively you always knew you'd be giving up a a fair bit
0: yeah and the the thing is they're not bad defenders I just think they put a lot of effort in on the offensive end um which which is a which is a struggle but if they can get one or two of those guys to really say you know what I'm gonna give up the offensive end and I'm just gonna work as hard on the defensive end and even give a little bit more effort there I think it'll go a long way and to me Sean Long right there I mean he's got the ability to just demand presence in that mm-hmm. middle and just be a dominant something that no other team has. And if they can motivate him and get him going, especially on the defensive end and keep him out of foul trouble, I think there will be a lot to, to handle. There'll be there'll be trouble come playoff time.
1: Then we've got the Adelaide 36ers, and I I just don't know what to make of them right now. They, When they're playing well, they can be as good as anybody, and they've got a plenty of offensive weapons. Daniel Johnson and Jerome Randall, we know what they're capable of. Eric Griffin, when he wants to be and when he's focused and not making – some bonehead decisions. He can do do anything on the basketball floor in a positive sense. You've got Anthony Drimmick having a, the best season of his career. Brendan Teaser is stepping up to probably have the best season of his career too. Certainly scoring wise. But then they, like Melbourne, they just give up far too many points. They can, they can have a game where they lose at home to the Illawarra Hawks and then afterwards admit that they took them took them lightly and they knew that they were being complacent all week but didn't do anything about it. They look like they've got a a lot of issues they're dealing with in terms of attitude things and and personnel things that might not be clicking. But at the same time, when they're up and going, they can still win games. And at 10-11, and if they beat Melbourne on on Saturday to go to 11-11, and they're still a really decent shot at making the playoffs.
0: Yeah, they are. It just feels like Joey Wright is trying to push every button he can Mm. with tweaking the starting lineup, pulling guys early, leaving leaving guys off when you thought they might be in um he is just playing around with that lineup and eventually you think the way he goes usually he'll find that lineup that's going to get the job done so it's a uh you know they are a bit hot and cold at the moment but all it takes is a few weeks we saw with with the new zealand breakers it just takes a few weeks of getting everyone on the same page and they've got that capability especially with Randall and Daniel Johnson. they got two elite scores in the league Mm -hmm. that can really take over games if they need to. And they get the rest of the guys clicking. And uh, Eric Griffin, I mean, he is just a live wire out there. You saw against the Wildcats, he actually dominated Against them in that game, and was the yeah. difference. So, if he can play like that, and then they can get Randall and Johnson being consistent, and everyone else kind of bond into their roles. I think they can be a, a, a definitely get in there, and I think this game against Melbourne United is going to be huge and, and yeah. could determine their season.
1: Brisbane Bullets, they're they're another interesting story where I think hindsight will say that they had to make a make a move earlier than this on their their imports and. At least one of Taylor Braun and E.J. Singler needed to be upgraded at at some point, but Lamar Patterson is playing tremendous right now. And when he's up and going like he was in that game against the Wildcats, and he's had a couple of other 35-point games this season, he's he's as good as anybody in the league. So they can still win games, especially when they've got Sobey and K.D. and and Will Magne as well helping him out. I, I think they're too far back at nine and 11 to make a run for the playoffs, but. I think they'll be disappointed that they didn't make a move which could have put them in the playoffs a bit earlier and you've talked about it a lot on the show in the first half of the season. You, you felt they probably should have made, made a move early earlier as well.
0: Yeah, I do think so. And and I'm just, you're right. They're going to look back at the end of this year and be like, our makeup of this team just wasn't right. I mean, you yeah. s- look at their starting lineup the last game. They're starting Magne, Hodgson. Those two actually played pretty well together. But yeah. you got two imports sitting over there, pretty similar yeah. players, not getting a whole lot of playing time. Maybe get rid of both of them and just go get a stud mm-hmm. that can come in and make a difference and and maybe even – uh a point guard, a true point guard and a four man. I just think that they're going to, you know, we've we've talked about Cam Glidden and and his issues as well there. So there's a, you know, I'm just, I'm just not sure what they're doing long-term there. It seems like uh, everyone's kind of not on the same page and, and, you know, they've got talent, they've got boomers, they've got, you know, guys that can can really step up like we saw Patterson did against the Wildcats last week. So God, you can get your 35 if you need to. It's a uh, it's an interesting one. I think everyone kind of thought that they would probably be in that that get that fourth spot just with how well they did last year and the, the improvements they made. But unfortunately, I, yeah, I think they've left it too late and there's no word that they're going to have any changes coming up either. No, so they have to make too it light now. Yeah, they left it too late. So that's their lineup. They've stuck with them. And uh, I guess we'll kind of see how the, the rest of the season plays out. But I can't see them getting into the top four.
1: No, me either. I don't think I can see the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix getting there either. They've now lost four of their last five games. And they've got their next four all on the road as well. They parted ways with Keith Benson, but we still haven't seen... Their replacement, I'm sure they would have liked it that to have been Miles Plumley if they could have got him before the, the Wildcats. But I think they'll he'll have to be here at least in time for for next week, if not th- this weekend, to be able to qualify for playoffs just in case they make it. But at eight and eleven, and with a string of road games to come, I think that they're they're pretty much out of the hunt. How do how do you see the Phoenix?
0: Yeah, unless they get someone that just comes in and just dominates, say sure. say a guy like a Bryce Cotton. Yep very hard to find but someone that can just kind of reignite the season and they go on a six seven game win streak and sneak in barring that i don't see them getting in and you know if you're going to release your import you usually have someone lined up that you're gonna and announce you know point, the yeah. wildcat basically on the same day announced miles plumley and said you know thank you to dario yep. hunt so if you're going to make a change and you release a guy you sure we don't know the backstory maybe they did have someone and it fell through which which does happen when you're searching mm. for your imports but uh you know i think they probably left that a little bit too late and probably the thing yeah. that hurts them was they they had such a strong start to the season that probably you know they stuck with keith benson because of how well the team was playing but over the last few weeks and probably the last month and a half it's uh it hasn't worked for them.
1: no it hasn't i didn't Things just haven't gone to plan for the Illawarra Hawks either, so they're the only team out of the playoff playoff hunt right now. But they can still be dangerous, and it wouldn't be, wouldn't surprise me if they even shocked the, the Wildcats in their game in their game tonight. They they upset upset the Kings only a couple of weeks ago. They had a had a surprise win over in Adelaide as well, but they just can't get their best team on the park. So Lamelo Ball's still out, and I still I still question whether he will come back at all. David anderson has been out for a little while. They get. They get Josh Boone back, but then they lose A.J. Ogilvy. I think from the moment we saw Billy Preston play his first game, we knew that that wasn't going to last very long, so he only lasted, I think it was, three games. They're 5-15. It's been a tough season, but I think there are great positives they can take, especially in recent weeks since Lomelo's been out, is that is that Emmett Nair and Sunday, Sunday Desh have been able to play bigger roles in that team and, and show that there's a really bright future there.
0: Well, they've actually probably been playing better since they've lost yep. the mellow ball, the ball's moving a little bit more. They got the ball in different guys' hands. Tim Conrad's, you know, when he's feeling it, they're they're actually getting him the basketball. And we know what he can do in a, in a short period mm-hmm. of time in a game. He can catch fire. So to me, they're, they're playing much better basketball. They have got a few wins, but um, I like the way that Matty Flynn's got them playing now. Rather than uh, before the year or the start of the year when they had the ball, and Lamelo Ball's hands the whole time, and he was making some some fantastic plays. But uh, from a basketball purist point of view, it didn't seem like the team was playing that great. So, and you're right about Lamelo Ball. I'm wondering if he's watching RJ Hampton and seeing how him mm. coming back from injury hasn't been playing great he hasn't been playing a lot of minutes either i'm not sure you know there's nba scouts there last night he goes one for six um didn't have a fantastic outing so you know is he watching that i don't want to hurt my draft stock so I'll, i'll be interested to see how much or if he comes back and plays knowing that they've only got eight games left and uh you know they're pretty much out of the finals contention
1: yeah, absolutely. There's plenty to, to dissect there, Sean, so thanks for giving your thoughts on on the way each team's shaping up after uh, after we've had a, a couple of weeks to recharge. Thanks to Hoop7, as always, for bringing it to us. Let's just take a deep breath for a minute. Now, Greg Hire, one of your long-time teammates, you shared plenty of championships with him at the Perth Wildcats, and obviously you have also spent the last couple of years battling against him in the SBL, which I'm sure has been, been interesting. But... As soon as the the bushfire situation, it became obvious how desperate it was across the country. He put his hand up to try to do something for it and he, he floated the idea of starting a, a T20 charity match and now it's come to fruition. So boundaries for bushfire, a charity T20 match to be played at the Wacker on Friday, February the 7th, has been organised by Greg. Obviously, there's been a lot of help from other people, but full credit to Greg for... Having the foresight to want to create it and to make it happen, has he asked you to play? And how would you go playing cricket at the Wacker, Well, look,
0: the Wildcats used to on a you know a day when when they wanted to give us a day off from training, we would play <laughs> some cricket there yep. at Bendat Basketball Center. And I must admit, I was rubbish at cricket. <laughs> um, you know, I kept getting called for throwing. Throwing the ball like a yeah. baseball instead of uh, pitching it, and uh, and yeah, I just had no clue what to do up there um, in front of the stump. <laughs> so uh, you know, I just try and get 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 the the bat in front of the ball. But uh, I must admit, I was uh, I was a bit of a, a struggle out there, and and I was probably one of the last picked to uh, <laughs> to to play on the team. But but it, it was enjoyable. We had had a lot of yeah. fun, and one of those things you do as a as a team to kind of just build some team camaraderie but credit to greg you know he's always been great about getting out in the community and using his profile for for things that he's passionate about and you're right i mean the the devastation over there i mean it's it's worldwide news and and Mm. uh you know it's just it's just horrible to think of of all the lives and and in the animals and everything that's been lost through that so it's a great initiative proud of greg and and what he's going to be doing and and hopefully it gets a great response so i think it's uh you know he's done some stuff with his stitch and tom and he's got his charity dinner where you get the, the celebrity waitresses um, yeah. out there so he's done some great initiatives and i'm sure this is going to be spectacular as well
1: have you been one of the waiters for one of those dinners
0: yeah at the first couple i was yeah. so i didn't spill any any plates so i thought <laughs> uh, i thought i did all right <laughs>
1: Very good. Yeah, a tremendous performance by Greg to make that happen. But let's keep moving here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle, Sean. Before we get into looking at the rest of the games of Round 15, another new initiative by the NBL they're introducing starting tonight for the game in Illawarra is they've set up a replay bunker. So, I mean, I think it's frustrated everybody that's been watching this season the amount of times that the referees have gone to gone to review vision and then the fact that they have to walk around to the other side of the bench. I don't know why we couldn't get a TV that swivels around to save some time, but it's been a it has been a frustration for everyone watching this season. So credit to the NBA for now wanting to do something about it. So there's going to be somebody watching back in a, in a bunker to, to review the vision. To me, I'd probably prefer them to take it a step further and I'll get to that in a moment. But first of all, your reaction to that and do you think it's a, a positive step forward?
0: Well, I think it's a positive step forward. I think you know to stop a game for two to three minutes just to check mm. if it's a two or a three-pointer, two or three-point yeah. shot. You could do that at a timeout. You could do that at a at a breakage of the play. But uh, yeah, there's too many times where they're going to that review. You obviously want to get the get it right, and uh, you know if they don't get it right, and obviously today's technology, you have every game live. TV, there's going to be an outcry from the fan. So from basketball point of view and from playing point of view, I like that they're going to the screens and getting the call right most of the time. I guess from a viewer's point of view, it's not always great. You want to keep the game moving. That's one of the things that people love about basketball. It's fast paced. There's always something going on and the game it is, is going Pretty quickly, whereas if you're, you're having all these stoppages, it uh, it hurts the flow of the game. So I think it's a positive initiative. I think there's more things they can do, but it's a it's a step in the right direction for sure.
1: Yeah, I think so too. The only I don't think they're going this far just yet. But what I would like to see them do is actually have the the official who's reviewing the video is basically your fourth referee. So he has the power to to make decisions. So what I would like is for the official on court to be able to go to his to his earpiece and ask the fourth official in front of the TV screen to say, "Look, was that a flop or was that was that a charge or was that a blocking foul? Was that was that an unsportsmanlike foul or was that a normal foul?" Um, I, I, you know, I'd like them to just ask that simple question and then the official in front of the TV makes that decision. So you don't—he has the power to make that call and then we live with with that decision rather than the the referees on on court still having to make that final decision, working with with the vision. Is that something you'd be happy with or is that taking things a little bit too far?
0: No, I think that's a that's a great initiative and I think probably can't do that this year because of yeah. just scheduling and all that. But I'm sure that's something they'll look at next year. You know, they wanna make this the best product, especially from a viewers' point of view, I mean, to me, where the league is really going to make that growth is if they can they can get that TV viewership and those TV sponsorship dollars. That's you know that's where the NBL and why the salary for NBA, sorry, why the salaries and that are so mm-hmm. big because of the sponsorship and the TV yeah. revenue. So they got to make the game appealing to the TV viewers. Um, and if you're stopping it to watch a ref run around a, a score or the score bench to, mm-hmm. to go watch footage for two, three minutes. It's not great. So I think they'll get there. I think it'll probably be an off season, but it's good that the NBL is aware of it and they're making changes now. You know, in the past, it would have... This initiative probably would have taken two to three years to get off the ground, and now they're doing it probably in the matter of a month or two. So yeah. it's uh, it's the benefit of having a, an owner of a league like Kesselman who can make those decisions and say, all right, we're going to do this and throw some money at it and, and get a solution.
1: Absolutely. Now, round 15 in the NBL. It started on Thursday night, obviously, as we've talked about. Now, our, our tipping is getting awfully close, Sean. I think I might, might have... Pipped you by one at the moment just because of – I think it was one of the results last week. It might have been – there was one game we, we, that we had different last week, and I might have come out on top. So I think I might be one ahead of you now, and it's been been a mighty tight battle. So any tip right now is important. So let's get on the record. What have you tipped Cairns on New Zealand in last night's game?
0: Oh, I definitely would have gone with Cairns being at home. So yeah, uh, me too. You know – I'm, I'm sure you would have gone cans as well. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> but I was surprised. New Zealand should have got that one. So to me, mm. you look at the last few weeks, I don't think I've got very many picks ride right. the yeah, NPL. It's, been tough. it's just, There's been so many upsets. It's been incredible.
1: All right, let's get to Friday night. Illawarra Hawks, Perth Wildcats. A, a lot of reasons to tune into this game. It's going to be a great one to watch, but it's tough to imagine the Wildcats dropping it.
0: Yeah, I think they've just got too much riding on this one. You know, I think Miles Plumley getting sawned is going to add a little bit rejuvenation. My little thing, and no one's really talked about this, but the, Bryce Cotton was pretty close with Dario Hunt, so, you know, losing one mm. of his close mates, how is that going to affect his performance? I, knowing Bryce Cotton, it probably won't affect it at all, but, you know, it, it is, can be tough when you you got a close teammate. Now you've got a new guy that just replaced him, so but i think just the excitement of getting miles plumley on that team will will get them over the line in that one.
1: And first up on Saturday, Sydney Kings in the Cairns Taipans. This is a this is going to be a fascinating game as well. Taipans have already won in Sydney once this season as well, so they know how to do it, but you would think Sydney too strong in the home on their home floor, but you know, you wouldn't put anything past the, the Taipans right now.
0: No, you wouldn't. And they're coming off a a win against New Zealand where they didn't play great, but they found a way to win. But I think the fact that Sydney Kings are sitting at home waiting for the Cans tie pans. But I you know, I think cans definitely have a shot to to get this one. Can the Sydney Kings shoot well enough, find enough scores, and can they get Xavier Cook's playing at the boomers level, which, you know, we haven't seen that yet. So it's uh it it's gonna be a huge game in the context of Sydney trying to get that top spot because the Perth Wildcats have a great schedule coming up after this. So they don't wanna lose two more. They could they're in serious jeopardy of losing that top spot
1: and second up on Saturday we've talked about this game a few times already it's massive for both both clubs Adelaide Entertainment Center the 36ers hosting Melbourne United it's just massive for both clubs Adelaide can really take a step further towards the playoffs if they make it Melbourne can take a significant step backwards to making the playoffs if they lose but Melbourne have played really well against Adelaide in recent times as well and And Adelaide haven't found a way to really get close to them. What do you think of this one?
0: Look, I'm going to pick Adelaide in this one. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just because there's been a lot of upsets. And I think Melbourne United just haven't really clicked lately. And I think, you know, there's going to be some big games either from Jerome Randall or Eric Griffin to get them Mm -hmm. over the line, being at home as well. So it should be. uh, And usually the Adelaide fans give Chris Golding a. A warm mm-hmm. welcome <laughs> each time he plays there as well, so yeah. it'll, it'll be a, a lot riding on the line in this one. I'm excited to see it.
1: Then first up on Sunday, New Zealand Breakers finally back home for their first time at Spark Arena in their last six games. Host the Brisbane Bullets. I would, I would suggest the loser of this game is probably falling out of the playoff race. The winner might just keep their their season alive. Tough one to tip.
0: Yeah, that is a tough one. But I, I'm actually going to go with Brisbane. Uh, going okay. over there. They, they got the win versus the Wildcats a little bit more confident. I think they're going to play pretty desperate knowing that they've got I think they just got a little bit more depth than the breakers do at the moment with the injuries to Sec Henry and you know Scotty Hobson looked tired that's a mm. tough travel back from Cairns over to New Zealand so I'm yeah. going to pick the Brisbane to try and say keep their season alive.
1: Then last up for the round Illawarra Hawks hosting the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, the Phoenix have to win to keep their season alive, but it won't be easy for them. I'm tempted to go for the Hawks in this one.
0: Yeah, I think the Hawks are, are playing much better. We talked about that, especially getting the ball through through each other's hands. But I think Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix, Ty Wesley starting to play a little bit better. Um, sometimes when you lose or you kind of cut an import, it kind of gets everyone woken up and, and playing a mm-hmm. little bit more energetic and, and alive and, and almost playing for their jobs as well. So. I expect Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix to bounce back and get a big win for them to keep their season alive as well.
1: Okay, there we go. That's around 15 in the NBL. We'll we'll see how we go next week and see how our, our tips are shaping up, Sean, because that's 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 a battle worth keeping your eye on as well. Uh, plenty of ground covered on our first show of 2020. Thanks to Hoops Heaven, as always, for making it happen. And thanks to the support of Devlins at au and, of course, ID Athletic at idathletic.com for their support to enable us to continue to bring this show to you. Hopefully you all enjoyed tuning in and hopefully you're back again next week. Sean, what can you leave us with for, for the first show of 2020?
0: Well Look, it's going to be an exciting next couple of weeks in the NBA. going to really determine where all these teams finish. And just looking at the Wildcat schedule, I actually think they could, if they can beat Illawarra tonight, I think they could sneak into that top spot Knowing the Sydney King schedule and they've got five of their last six. So that's my prediction going into uh, 2020. See if uh, I've got 2020 vision. We'll see how the next, <laughs> next few weeks uh, play out.